Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Maybe. Hello and welcome back to Out With Dan. I'm so excited to be talking to Eden Robbins today about the debut novel, When Franny Stands Up. What a well done job, Eden. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me here. I'm so excited. Give us a little synopsis of what this book is about. Sure. Um, I have a a very brief elevator pitch, which is uh, it's a queer, marvelous Mrs. Maisel where jokes are magic. Um, I set out to write a comedy about trauma (laughs) 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 and, and just very briefly, um, uh, it's, it takes place after world war two. Uh, and the idea is that when men went off to war, male comedians also went off to war and stand up comedy became a thing that women did. And they developed a kind of magic called a showstopper, which is a kind of feeling that they evoke in their audience. When the audience laughs, it's very different for every comedian. Uh, the most famous comedian in the world gives her audience an orgasm. The least favorite, uh, famous comedian makes her audience feel uh, that satisfaction of arriving at a bus stop just as the bus arrives. <laughs> <laughs> and our main character, Franny, uh, is dealing with sort of her brother, who she used to be very close to, uh, came back from the war with PTSD. She is dealing with her own traumas and falls into stand-up comedy and, and learns about how she might be able to heal herself and the people around her. I love it. You have hit the nail on the head and we're going to have to get into all of these good things because this is just so delicious. You know, one of the things that I noticed with Franny, Leon, Mama and Papa is there's such a close knit family and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of Jewish jokes thrown in and they're thrown in perfectly. And I mean that sincerely because there is something about Jewish humor humor, which is different than other kinds of humor, especially when it comes to a family uh, dynamic. Mama and Papa, I just want to go live with them the rest of my life. (laughs) Adorable. (laughs) So tell us about Mama and Papa, and were there any real life influences that came into that? Yes. So my family is Jewish and I'm sorry, I have, I'm right by a window. So this, this light keeps coming in. Um, <laughs> my family is Jewish and this is loosely based on my dad's side of the family who are Jewish, who lived in Oak Park, which is where the book takes place. So a lot of the stories actually come directly from my family. Um, humor is very important to us and I think to Jews in general, and I would say to like oppressed people in general, it's kind of a way of owning the things that happen to you, you know, and sort of reconfiguring traumas and bad things in a way that that makes sense. And it's a very culturally important thing to us. So <clears throat> Mama and Papa, um, they are very loving, but a little clueless. Um, they both come from traumatic backgrounds. They don't talk about it, really. Uh, this also comes from my own family, where like it's very hard to find any information back a couple of generations. Like I don't even know the names of some of my great-grandparents. Um, 
So they don't like to talk about it, but they still sort of own and love their culture and their history and their children and all of this. And uh, they're they're very funny. They have a very funny sort of, it's almost like a comedy show uh, within their own house. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of the things that I love because you, you've woven into this story a multi-generational set of comedy. Mm -hmm. They may not be arriving at comedy the same way, but they find humor in things. And I do, you know, there's a little saying that we have to play the hand we're dealt. Yeah. You know, once we're born, we're here and it's up to us to play the best hand we can with what we have. And it's also important to run away, which some of your characters do in different yes. parts of the story. And that's okay too, because I think society teaches us that running away is a bad thing. Not if it's for survival. That's right. what you must do. So, and you brought Leon back from World War II with PTSD and you dealt with it very head on because I think when someone does have PTSD, no one knows how to relate to them because that's not their experience. They do the best they can. Yeah. And that's something so loving about Franny that she's worried in one sense and she's determined in another sense. And so it was great seeing that develop thank you and then there's um the blue moon mm -hmm. which is so delicious <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the blue moon okay so the blue moon is very heavily influenced by a real club in chicago called the green mill you might notice the connection in the name um i love the green mill it is a magical place it is a place where Al Capone used to go. Um, it is, it, it just, it feels like walking into another world. Like it's very dark. The walls are mirrored. There's um, the, the, all the upholstery is green. It's just this wonderful <laughs> place. So like, and they have uh, jazz events and um, comedy and uh, poetry and all of this stuff. And so I just really, I love the vibe of it there so much that I really wanted to set something there. It's also the very first bar I ever went to when I was 16 years old. Wow. With, um, <clears throat> this is super nerdy, actually. My high school English <laughs> teacher uh, was really involved in the slam poetry scene. And so he took a bunch of us to the Green Mill for their their slam poetry uh, event on a, on a Sunday. So I, it, it's always felt very magical to me. So I based the Blue Moon off of it. I love that. I mean, that was a progressive teacher too. So that's Yeah, I know, right? Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> so the mob figures into this as the mob really did in real life in so yeah. many clubs, uh, especially in the past. I'm sure they might have some today. I just don't know them. Yeah. But, <laughs> and I'm not willing to go ask them. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you've taken a you've taken this concept of a club and it's owned by the mob and the mafia. And you've given it realness about what really does go on because as the mob brought things out that nice little Christian clubs wouldn't have done or, you know, nice respectable joints didn't do. The mob did because they knew there was, there was an audience for it. Mm -hmm. And that's a, in a lot of ways, it was a really great thing because as society has progressed, we really do realize that we need all kinds of clubs, not just the ones that are sanctioned by the city we live in or what That's right. that. <laughs> so I loved that. Do you do any stand up yourself? So 
to research this book, I took a stand-up comedy class. Okay. Um, it was for women, actually. It was, and it was like such an amazing class. It was taught by this uh, comedian, Alex Kumin, K-U-M-I-N. She's hilarious and wonderful, and she's actually been sort of a, a guide for me throughout. She's she's very patient, answered all of my questions. But yes, I took this class, and at by the end of the class, um, all of us had had a a five-minute stand-up set, a tight five. Right. And then, and then, like so many other classes, there was like a recital at the end. So we did <laughs> a show, and and it was. I'm so glad I did it because I really got a sense of like what goes into making a set, how hard it is, how much of a process it is, and then also just the physical sensations of what it feels like to be on stage about to say something and the nerves and the power and all of this stuff, the way that it feels, how it genuinely feels magical when you can make a room laugh. Absolutely. And so I never, I only did it that one time. And part of it is because it's such hard work. It is so hard to write comedy. <laughs> and uh, also it, you have to be a person who stays up really late and I'm old and I go to bed early. <laughs> so <laughs> I was just like, I can't, I can't hang with this. This is yeah. so, <laughs> so I can't let my happy hour last too long for that. I can't stay up that late. Yeah, so. no, it's like they the comedy, the open mic start at like 10 or 11 on mm -hmm. a weekday. And I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> No. That's when I go to bed. <laughs> right. So many people over the years, because, you know, I'm a goofball. So many people over the years have said, oh, you should do stand up. And I've my answer has always been the same. No, it's because it is a lot of work and you you have to you can't be afraid of failing. And you get feedback immediately yeah, <laughs> like in that moment you know if something is hitting or not yeah. yeah yeah and not everything hits you know that's something and so of course this that stand-up set is a precursor to what you're going through with your book launch as well mm -hmm. <laughs> yes <laughs> because you have to talk about yourself that's the way that works so. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah not my favorite thing to do <laughs> It, it takes practice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Franny, she goes through a, a huge evolution in this book. Yeah. And in such a positive way. I mean, lots of things happen to Franny along the way that are good and bad. But she goes through such an evolution. And there's such an inclusion to what you've done in your book. in including characters of different faiths of different races, of different sexual orientations. And that was really, really quite delicious to read. And you said it in a time where that was very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, so in your um, in your writing of this book, how much, uh, I do know from the end chapter, which I'll let you explain about Dr. Avery and all that, I really enjoyed that aspect of the book as I did everything else. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about who real life Dr. Avery is. So yeah, Dr. Avery is based on uh, Dr. Percy Julian, who was this brilliant chemist, a uh, black chemist, who basically, I mean, he did so much, he invented so many things, and he's essentially responsible for hormonal birth control. Wow. Um, and he, I mean, he was incredible. And obviously, as a black chemist in the 1940s and 50s and 60s was up against uh, huge blockers, like people didn't didn't want to hire him. Obviously, he had to move all around the country in order to find work. Um, he ended up 
moving to Oak Park, Illinois, and um, lived in a, you know, a, a wealthy, white, mostly Catholic neighborhood. Um, and there were a couple of bomb threats um, and, and a couple of bombings of, of his house where he and his family lived that was super terrible. And it rocked the, the town because Oak Park was actually quite progressive uh, in terms of, or at least what they told themselves at the time. <laughs> so, but, but it's interesting because uh, this did sort of lead to these very progressive policies in Oak Park um, about housing and about protecting and encouraging a more diverse uh, group of people to move there. Um, the reason I included this character is because my dad literally grew up across the street from him. Oh, wow. And so he was there when the um, the Julian's house was bombed. Mm. And and so I was like, well, that, I mean, you. It's it's interesting that, you know, the 1950s, we have this kind of glossy view of what it was like, but mm -hmm. I just didn't feel okay writing about it without talking about some of this horrible stuff. And then, of course, but as a white writer myself, how do I do this in a respectful way? How do I do the work? How do I make sure that, um, you know, it's it's for modern audiences, yes. but yeah. still reflecting the times? So, yeah, I, it was this was a very important aspect of it to me. And, and Dr. Julian, um, I mean, he's just such an amazing person. I, I highly recommend you look him up. There's a there's a Nova special on him. That's just incredible. It, it's important to, I think, what you do in your book, and it brings it out. Um, and it's important for me as an interviewer with you to highlight that a lot of Jewish people experience the exact same things that Dr. Avery and his family do in this book. Um, I lived in Miami for a long time, and everybody thinks of Miami and Miami Beach as this free-for-all. The Jewish people weren't allowed in a lot of places in Miami. There was yeah. one country club that they were allowed to, and they formed their own. But the Blacks didn't have a country club. They were relegated to Overtown, which, of course, when you get to the Overtown section, I'm like, oh, I know where that is. And yeah. it, it was very different. Um, and I think it's important for mo modern audiences to be reminded of that. We have so many wonderful things that we experience in this life, but We've had a lot of struggle along the way. Does Absolutely. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm, that, I'm there. <laughs> um, I, I think that's. I, I think it's true. I think it is a little tricky as well because um, Black Americans have had a completely different experience than than Jewish Americans, um, and so I, I'm. I don't want to equate the two experiences at all. Um, but there, there was certainly like a lot of a lot of things that that Jews have experienced throughout time that I think does sort of get relegated to history um, because we are often white um, and and have, you know, have become white over time. So yeah, I, I it is important to remember that um, that there were these sort of restricted places for Jews as well, but it was a very different uh, experience. Yes, and I agree with you. It's not to equate the two of them, but we all have had experiences. Queer people have had experiences similar to these. Um, racism and um, all the other things that go along with it, it's never right. Of and course. there's never, it's never an easy way to express it in a book either, especially yes. when it's, so let's get this back to a comedy book. So, <laughs> because it is important to realize, and just as Franny and the family 
go through their experiences, they use humor. And that is, you know, a lot of people have used humor to deflect, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people have used humor to stay alive and to, you know, and to get their life going. And that is something you have certainly brought us in this book. (laughs) That I just, I you know, I'm already a fanboy, so I, <laughs> I just can't get enough of it. <laughs> uh, so I know that you're out on November 1st. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank we, you. We will air a little bit after that, but congratulations on your book launch. I know it's going to be so successful. It is such a delicious read. Are you working on something else? I mean, I know this is just coming out the door, but every author has something on the back burner. (laughs) I do. Yeah, I actually, I have a second book that's going to be coming out um, when I'm done with it. (laughs) 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 Um, This one is very different. So, you know, we talked about this a little bit before. I, uh, you know, I just, I I write because I like to surprise myself. I like to feel free. writing during the pandemic has been so hard. And so just trying to find something that that holds holds my attention and interest. So this book is going to be very different. It's actually, um, it'll be sort of a, a humorous book about death. <laughs> oh, well, all right. uh, humorous-ish, humorous in the same way that Franny is. So it like deals with serious <laughs> stuff, but there's some humor to it. Um, it's actually a, a non-traditional narrative and it's going to be um, a collection of obituaries, a narrative told through obituaries. I love it. What a novel idea, Eden. Thanks. Congratulations. But long before we get to that, yes. when Franny Stands Up is fabulous and it is out now. Do you have a website or social media you'd like to share? I sure do. Uh, my website is um, it's monkeythumbs.com. Okay. Uh, uh, just exactly how it sounds. Uh, and my social media, all of them, Twitter, Instagram, uh, are what I use most. And it's just Eden Robbins. So E-D-E-N-R-O-B-I-N-S. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, Eden. Thank this has just much, been Dan. delicious. It's so fun. Thank you so, so much for having me. And best of luck to a successful launch. I'm so excited for you. Thank you so much. Sure. Hang on for me just a second. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out With Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com, on Twitter at outwithdan, and on Instagram and Facebook at gooutwithdan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out with Dan.